0: You got to accentuate the positive. Whoa! I feel good. A bit of feel, feel, feel
1: goes a long way. Welcome to ATP Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, showing you how to accentuate the positive, the way to a better life.
0: Your radio station is an example of the future existing right now. Clap along if you feel like that's
1: what you want. Hello and welcome to another hour, Accentuating the Positive, here on Soul Traveller Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain. I'm a teacher of deliberate creation, a channel and a medium, channeling wisdom from my guides and broader perspective, whom I've called Blissful Beings on Accentuate the Positive, you'll hear conversations with open hearts and inspired minds. It's my intent to put more love out through our media. It's so important to have a media diet that uplifts you, empowers you and reminds you of who you really are instead of a lot of the media that we get that puts you in fear. So this is why I present the show. I've got some wonderful guests lined up for you. Please subscribe and support positive media. You can stay up to date with the show on Accentuate the Positive Radio with Karen Swain on Facebook or go to karenswain.com and you'll see most of the podcasts there. Hello and welcome to another show Accentuating the Positive here on Soul Traveler Radio. And I have another delicious guest for you today. <laughs> I've been chatting with Sherry for the last or oh, a couple of months. We've been emailing back and forth. She's an author, an extraordinary person, but an author of this amazing book called The Forgotten Promise. Welcome to the show, Sherry. Hey, thank you, Karen. Hi. Hi. Nice to be here. So great to have you on the show. Your story is absolutely extraordinary and fascinating. I love it. And you've been interviewed quite a bit by different shows. I saw. I was actually just doing a bit of research last night and I saw you speaking at one of Dolores Cannon's conferences, 2013. It must have been just the year before she left her body. She said something that really resonated with me. She said, I wanted you to write this book because it has a positive message. And that's really how I felt when Mm -hmm. I saw your story. I know that you've had a tough life; it's not been easy. But in all of it, there is this really
0: positive message. Shall we start at the beginning? Sure. sure. So my contact started before I was born. Actually, I remember as I, part of my awakening process has been to remember who I was before I came here. So when people ask me when was my first contact, I have to go to way back to before I was even born because I do remember that situation agreeing to come to the planet and I remember having a conversation with the guy that I call Da who is the person I interact with now the most and I remember having a conversation with him making him promise to not abandon me and to not leave me here um, unattended you know I I had a a little bit of a um, concern that I might get trapped in the third dimension and so I was coming from a, what I recall to be I call it, for some reason I call it a six point two a six dimension step two frequency I don't know density, and so I came from a place where I was part of oneness and we I didn't have much of a body I just had a form of some sort, and many of us came here to assist the planet for this at this time during the transition as Dolores Cannon the reason that I really loved it that she accepted my book is because I heard a little bit about her after I'd written my, after I'd written my book, I heard about her. And she was saying the same thing that I was saying in my book was, you know, there were these waves of volunteers and I was one of the first waves having come in in 1950. So my contact started before I was born and had an agreement with Da to be there for me. And he was there from the minute I was born. Um, I remember standing next to him by my bassinet and looking down at the body that tiny little body laying in the bassinet i don't have this in the book um it came to me as part of my awakening as i was writing the book i was going through an awakening process and a lot of stuff came clear afterwards so he was there with me looking down and he was kind of teasing me about so how you like it And um, I said, I didn't like it. And he said, well, there's no going back. And I said, I don't want to do this. I changed my mind kind of a thing, And I, which I don't think you can do. Well, obviously you can't because ha- I'm still here. It was very confining to be in that body. But um, my contact with him started that I consciously recall when I was probably five or six years old. And then there was the event that happened when I was about eight or nine, when they took me up in the ship and showed me, the planet being destroyed.
1: Okay. So I want to just set this up for people that are watching that don't know anything about you because I I, I know that people that are intrigued... And interested in your story do know but for those listening that don't. So Sherry is a contactee from an extraterrestrial alien race, a higher dimensional beings you've been contacted and reportedly abducted over your lifetime. And why I wanted to talk to you today was because this abduction story, you know I've been reading about it for 20 years, is always such a frightening story There is some force outside of us that has power over us that can take us and do terrible things to us. That's been the story that has been perpetuated through, you know, Hollywood and the media. And your story was so fascinating because for so many years you actually did experience that. But what we're talking about now is you as a soul from that broader perspective, remembering the contract, you know, the promise that you made and... I think all of us, all of us, all of us that are in bodies have made some plans, some, I wouldn't even call them commitments because I think it's looser than that. You know, we made an agreement. We made an agreement to be here at this time specifically to experience physical dimension in all its beauty and all its limitations. (laughs) And your story is so intriguing because you've got that connection to another uh, let me say,
0: dimension, race of world beings, world, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, I agree with everything that you've said, Karen. I, every person on this planet definitely came with a mission. Um, yeah. the, the Course in Miracles, which I'm a big advocate, a big fan of The Course in Miracles, the Course says we all have a, a function that, that God gave to us. And that function is to remember our true divine nature and to awaken and remember who we are so that we can return back to that. So we're playing this game with ourselves here, you know, falling asleep and and forgetting the truth of who we are. So it's true, I lived most of my life believing I was a victim um, of these abductions. Although I didn't, you know, the abductions went on throughout my entire life, but I didn't consciously know about them until uh, 1980. Or 88 when I was regressed. And uh that opened up all the memories for me. There had always been lots of strange things happening in my life, but I I never paid much attention to it. I didn't know what it meant. But that's when the memories opened up and and of course I felt like a victim. I felt that life had cheated me, that I had this horrible cross to bear, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was it's been a big it's been a huge journey. It's been just an amazing journey. And I wouldn't change places with anyone, but it's been a challenge to definitely definitely you know physical life is a challenge especially when
1: you remember who you are i think that it makes it even harder you know people that have near-death experiences or out-of-body experiences or memories of because i think that all of us when we're asleep at night are flying around the universe having right. a lovely time but we come back and we come back into the mire and we don't remember you know most people say i don't remember my dreams some do some don't so that doorway whatever it is that forgetfulness it's so powerful isn't it so how powerful would it be that it would completely shut us off from remembering who we are and something about your story I loved because you were such a skeptic such a skeptic so let's tell the story of your girlfriend you had an experience I think it was in in your car where uh da who da is your spirit guide who comes in the form of what people would call a grey yeah when he's physical when he's like incarnating a physical form he uses
0: that form mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he says it's mm-hmm. a good it's a good vehicle to get around in yeah, it. yeah it's, it's highly functional he says highly it's functional. Highly- you're we talking about the one when I was
1: seventeen, maybe, maybe. And you went to your girlfriend's place afterwards yeah. and said something, and then completely forgot. And she reminded you later, and you said, "You're crazy." But you let me, you
0: tell the story. What happened? Well, that that was the one that I got regressed, and that was the one that opened the door for me. So I was seventeen years old and driving to my best friend's house, and and it takes fifteen minutes at most to get to her house from where I lived. I'm driving down the road in my little VW bug and going on a straightaway. So I'm going around 58 or 60 miles an hour when all of a sudden my car just dies and it just stops running. It's just and the radio was on. The radio was playing and I was it was a Beach Boy song that was on the radio. And I couldn't get the car to 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 start. I reached over and was trying turning the ignition off and on and it just clicked and and I turned the radio off, and I tried popping the clutch and all that. And then I started to go up a small incline, and the car was slowing down. And then I noticed these um, men standing in the road. And I thought, what in the world? Because there were two of them. One was standing along the edge of the road, kind of on the very edge of it. And then there was one over in the ditch, and then another one further back behind him. And, they were, and two of those guys were carrying wands. I noticed that right away. They had these sticks that they were messing with down on the ground pointing them at the ground but the one guy who was standing on the edge of the road he stepped out into my lane of traffic and i remember thinking what's a good thing my car did kill because this fool is you know i would drive right over him and he stepped out there and uh, put up his hand the car rolled to a stop and i didn't remember anything until i got to my girlfriend's house and it was an hour later two hours later two hours of missing time I'm forgetting the details of this now. It's interesting.
1: Um, well, I, I read it in your book. I remember one detail which was interesting was that you were driving along and you looked at your clock and you thought, oh, I've am going. i got five minutes to get there and I'm going to be there yeah. right on time. And you
0: were so right. proud of
1: yourself. Yeah. And then when you arrived,
0: you were two hours late. It's like, <laughs> how did that happen? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. I'll never forget how it felt to walk into her house, into the kitchen and stand there looking, expecting it to be 10 o'clock and watching the clock just click. Straight up noon. I remember seeing that hand go just like that. And I'm standing there. And, you know, this had just happened to me. It is an amazing thing. that they It is very frustrating that they can wipe your memory clean like that. That's what they did. And I argued with him before I left them when he told me that they were going to do that. And I I said, stop doing that. Because every time then the next time you see them. And they came for me a couple days, a couple nights later, they came for me again. Because that was a period of what I call intense activity. So, when I have intense activity, they're there three, four, five times a week, sometimes twice a day, and every time because they wipe your the slate clean, I go through the fear thing. My body goes into fear, so what happened that day in the car under hypnosis, the car rolled to a stop, and I knew that that had happened, and that's what I was checking for. I was seventeen years old, I had two hours of missing time I finally became obsessed with the idea and needed to know what happened to those two during those two hours of time. Uh, it was not rational for me to just go on with my life and not think about it. But I was, I think it was exactly 20 years old. So I think I was 37 or 38 years old. 20 years had gone by and I never questioned it. And then all of a sudden I became obsessed with it. That was part of the program. I and mean, it was my time to go to work. And it was the harmonic convergence had occurred. I got my orders to go to work and... Under hypnosis, it came that the car did roll to a stop at his feet. He held up his hand and then he leaned onto the hood of my car and looked at me through the windshield and he said my name, which just caused my heart to just stop. He said, We've been waiting for you, Sherry. And I just froze and I wasn't able to see his face. As I looked at him, I couldn't make his face, it kept like a jigsaw puzzle. It was like all distorted and I couldn't see him. And finally, my mind clicked and I was able to focus. And then I saw he wasn't human. See, I think my brain was trying to make him human or something. Yeah. And I and I realized he, this was not a human. And I looked at the other two guys and I just was absolutely terrified. And so I locked my doors and I put my arms on the steering wheel and I locked them across the steering wheel and I put my head down. And I, he kept telling me to look at him and I wouldn't do it. And he said, I remember him saying, why do you do this to yourself? Why do you put yourself through this every time? Yeah. And he said, you know, it'll be better if you just look at me. But I was just too afraid. And the next thing I know, I feel something moving across my forearms. Yeah. And I opened my eyes. And it's a gray claw. It looks like a claw to me. Yeah. Uh, these long fingers, the typical ET gray fingers. Yeah. And yeah. As, soon as, he touched, as soon as they touched me, it was his helper, the helper guys that were doing that. He stood by the car. And they wrapped their fingers around my forearms. And they pulled me out of the car. And I was calm as could be then. When Once they touch you, once you look at them, you just go immediately calm. Something about that. Okay. At so something about
1: you know, the energetic connection with the eyes and the, well, maybe it's their energy. Is it their energy that's calm?
0: I think it's their energy because he's able to transfer to me because later on when I was on the table and they were doing the exam with me, they had a hybrid woman there named Aurora, who's usually present when I, I'm with them. And she was there standing at the head of the table and she had her hands on each side of my head. And she was just, you know, there to keep me calm while he was doing his exam on me and doing everything. But when he pulled down the instrument to do, and he said he was going to harvest my, take, extract some of my eggs, is what he said. I got hysterical, and when and so he had her step aside. He came up and he put his hands on each side of my head, and immediately I was calmed. So it's energy. They they have come in over the course of the years, and especially later after I got sick, they came in. They do Reiki and their the reiki that they do is amazing it's absolutely amazing healing mm-hmm. I, they've not been here to do that now for some time and i really miss it don't you asked them to come i have asked them to come and he said that um, he said they can't they're not coming in right now he said they they won't see me till i come to them is what they told me mm-hmm. and i and yeah he said what he showed me at the time he showed me like the plates of the pla- like when you were in fifth and sixth grade and they explained to you how the plates of the planet work. There were these plates underneath the surface of the planet and they're shifting and moving and heaving and that's what causes earthquakes and that sort of thing. He showed me something like that and he said, your planet is in transition and you are constantly moving from third to fourth to fifth. You're just bouncing all over the place. And he said, we can't easily get to you physically anymore. He said, we can come... To, yeah we can connect with you uh the astral level or sort of thing, but he said we to, for us to physically come to you it's I almost got the image of like they like send down like a beam of light or something they send like a thought as to where I am. He said, by the time we do that and we were to physically manifest there, he said you'd be into a different dimension or a different place. He said, you're just bouncing all over the place so he said we it's difficult for us to do that, and he said, there's no reason for us to come anymore he said you are raising your frequency. You'll be joining. He said, "Keep opening your pineal gland. You'll be with us soon enough." That was in twenty thirteen or fourteen. I can't. I don't. I'm not good with time. I think it was one of the twenty fourteen. Maybe in August that he told me that. And that's basically the last time I had any really good contact with him because after that, then the poison, the attack happened, and I've lost my connection to them to a great extent. So,
1: yeah. well. Mm, I'm getting huge messages from my guys. Mm. I call them guides. You call them guys. I love you call your guides guys. If you talk guides. about them, <laughs> guys, my guys, hey, my guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to call my guys the mob, you know, because as a young girl, it was just like a mob of beings, energy, faceless, wow. no personality, no identity, just just a mob. You know how you see a mob, you don't see anybody's face or you don't know who anybody is. That's how I experienced them. So I used to call them the mob. And then I thought, it's not a very pretty name. Maybe I should give them a <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like it. And for me, it just evolved, you know, because I have Da, but there's also been others, you know, there's, there's other, and I don't really have names for them. They don't have names. They have energetic signatures and that's how I find them, you know, and I can just, think of him and his energy and like that connection has always been there so i just call
1: so you gave the name of the one that you speak to the most da because as a little girl you said in the book that he felt like a father figure you, yeah. you know when you had the regression and you had that memory you yes. felt like he was like this father figure and, and i think as a little girl you called him like da da like da yes yeah I think, so. I think that's so sweet yeah but what they're saying to me, and they keep, they keep they're having me to say it, and I am sort of holding back. So they're saying that you and anybody that's listening to this conversation, because anyone that's attracted to this conversation is going to be at a particular level. It's mm-hmm. so. What they're saying is, it's now time for you to use your deliberateness in staying in a high frequency. So. So this physical dimension is challenging. We have bodies, we get sick, Mm -hmm. people die, trauma happens, there's deceit and hatred and fear and all that sort of stuff. But as a conscious creator, as somebody who knows who they are connected to source, you know that you have complete power and control over your vibration, meaning that crap happens, bodies get sick, people leave, you know, stuff Mm -hmm. happens. And yet we can look at it from the eyes of source or from broader perspective. We can see it through our broader knowing, our knowing of who we are as love, as infinite beings. And when we do look at this game of life as the game of life, we don't tend to get we don't lower our frequency back down into the, the third dimension. So the third dimension is all about fear and separateness, and you know, fear. I'm being, you know, afraid. I'm watching, you know, family member go through that fear of that survival fear. That's one of the biggest fears that I won't survive. You know, the money issue. There was a brilliant teacher in the 20s, 30s, 40s. I think she died in the 50s. Called. Chauvel-Shin, what was her first name? She was an artist and a metaphysical teacher. She wrote a book called The Game of Life and How to Play It. And it was all about this. It was all about, you know, your word is your wand, what you think you create. It was all about deliberate creation and law of attraction. And your guys, people in other dimensions, people not in third dimension, they understand who they are as powerful beings. They know how to control their vibration. We, as humans we forget, we get, we, you know, we get, we get lost in the forgetting. And that's what I thought was brilliant about your story, that you had this such a powerful connection with your guys and yet such a powerful forgetting.
0: (laughs) Doc told me once, he said, you're the worst one that we work with (laughs) who are talking yourself out of these experiences. And that's why, because I would say to him, why did you do this? Because some of the things like dropping me in the pig pen one night and just different things they do. And he said, that's to leave an imprint. He said, because you t- will talk yourself out of it. He said, we left these little markers along the way so that you would have a conscious recall of this, this, because he said, you mark it all up to dreams. Just like that. He said, you just, just say, oh, that was just a dream that didn't, didn't really happen. You know, I'm, I'm very pragmatic that way. And so, yeah, I'm my biggest critic. You know, it takes a lot to convince me. I have an email right now from somebody that I haven't gotten around to answer. I've, I've had two negative emails and all the time since I have come out, only two, which is amazing to me. And I've got one right now. And and he's like, oh, you, you know, you, you have these experiences. How, why are we supposed to believe you? You didn't take any pictures and you have no proof and all that. And I say right in the book, I don't have any proof I and mean, I'm not going to give you any proof. I'm not interested in giving you proof. I don't, care you know if you need proof then you're not ready to, to to hear this i guess and and that's okay and you don't you know he has a fear of being gullible maybe i guess everybody comes to their truth at their own time and this just might not be their way of finding their way to the truth because all that this is is da told me recently when i started speaking started going on the, the conferences and everything he told me it was really funny he said you know your story is like the carrot on the end of the stick. He said, you dangle up the story. I'm an abductee. I've been with aliens. Come hear my story. You know, I've frolicked with ETs. Come over here and come closer. Listen to what I have to say. He said, and when they come close, he said, you beat them with the stick and you say, wake up, wake up, wake up. <laughs> That's what he said to me. Because he said, it doesn't matter that you hung out with ETs and that you've had these experiences well, all you're trying to do is get them to think for themselves and think outside the box, realize that they're bigger than just their body and their story and this life you know that they are living on planet Earth that there's more to them. He said, "That's what your story is supposed to, to do. That's what's supposed to happen by this. It's not the story of talking to ETs and being you know picked up by the ETs and taken on the ship and all that sort of thing, which is all interesting. I understand the fascination with it. I think it's interesting yeah. too. But that's not the heart and soul of it. The purpose of the whole thing was for me to play this role to shock people into going, that lady's crazy. I think she's crazy. I'm going to look into this more and, <laughs> you know, and prove that she's crazy. And maybe they'll look into it and go, huh, maybe there is life out there. Maybe there is more to, you know, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm the perfect one to do it in regards to, because I don't care what people think about me. I, well, that's.
1: I think you're the perfect one to do it because of your sceptical, pragmatic mind, because that is what we're dealing with en masse. And I have that mind too. Like I was talking aliens 20 years ago and somewhere in between then and like a few years ago, I sort of stopped talking aliens and thinking about aliens and then thought, yeah. oh, those hippie Byron people, they're all into the aliens. Not that I disbelieve, but I just walked away from it for a while and just led my life, right, yeah. and led a, like a third-dimensional life. And, you know, brought up my daughter and got married again and got divorced again and did all that sort of stuff. I, yeah. I, still, I still worked as a healer, though. I was still doing energy transmitting and all that sort of stuff and psychic stuff. But uh, this year in particular, and it's probably the energies that are hitting our planet, I woke up to the whole alien thing, like I was just really connected. I mean, I remember lying in bed with my second husband and he said, can you talk to aliens? And I said, sure. And I had this being show up in my third eye and I, very clear vision and he gave me this energy ball. And he said, play with it. And so I would play with it in my healings, and it was amazing. And then I oh. forgot about that, you know. So it's sort of like they come and go. But this year in particular, they have been very present, I think, in my life and in other people's life. They've made themselves known, and you've probably noticed this year you've had a lot of attention to people contacting you and much more attention with your book.
0: And
1: right. It's the time. It's the time. They're making themselves known. They're making themselves known. You know, when I was watching you last night at that conference that you were speaking at with, with Dolores, you were magnificent. You were in your teacher, you know. You weren't in the personality and the story. You weren't even in the story of this happened to me and isn't this a fascinating story. You just sort of you fell into the teacher. You were in that vibration of the teacher. And yeah. at, towards the end of it, I just fell into this really deep meditation as I was watching you because the energy that you were transmitting as you were speaking was so soft. And so beautiful and so loving. It was so loving. And that's what I think, you know, when you said, you know, the alien story is great, but I'm really here to teach love. Right. I, I think that that's, you know, your message more than anything. It's
0: I, I know it is. I know it is. I mean, that's absolutely what it's about. It's It's not the sensationalism of the ETs or the aliens visiting the planet. It's to awaken humanity. The souls on this planet, so many of them have been trapped here. For so long and you know the compassion that I feel for them is just sometimes overwhelming for me because I know how it should be for this planet I know how humanity should be living and it's just it's heartbreaking and so if there's anything that I can do to awaken anyone to just send them in the direction of of that so that they can discover their true divine nature that's all I care to do you know I'm not trying to convince anybody of my experiences or anything it's not at all about that yeah yeah I think the judgment is
1: probably the biggest problem we have Mm -hmm. you know this criticism and judgment of someone who thinks differently someone who looks different and You know, they've said to me that they won't make themselves known physically because we can't even love each other. How are we going to love a being that looks so different to us? I mean, we we point our fingers at Muslims and, you know, people that look different and have different religions, and they're human. We can't love each other. How are we going to love people from other dimensions and other realities? So your story really is about that judgment too because... You, in your ego mind, in your physical mind, you were really sort of judgmental. And oh, when, your, when your girlfriend said, you know, you told me that you saw some aliens on the road and you said to
0: her, are you crazy? I oh, would no. <laughs> I know, it not it? It's hilarious. I, know yes. it. I know. Yes. You know, I, it, there was such a contradiction, you know, I mean, there was that person who was like that, who was judgmental about it and aware of how that would sound to other people. And then there's this other person, you know, it's, it's been quite an experience to see that I shed that person, you know, that three-dimensional yeah. person, you know, that fell away rather quickly when I started um, writing the book and started coming into, um, into the awareness. But, yeah, it's been quite, a, quite an interesting journey. And along those lines, um, Da told me once, talking about being prejudiced about the way people look, somebody who interviewed me said once, um, well, if he's just wearing a container and he really doesn't have a body, I mean, all the higher dimensional beings, they don't have bodies, of course, once you get past the fifth dimension or so. And he said, so when he comes onto the planet to do his work, he puts on that suit. And I said, yes. And he said, well, why doesn't, since that suit scares you, that body scares you, why doesn't he wear human body when he comes here that way it'd be easier on you if he really loves you he would do that yeah and I said, hey that's a you know that's a pretty good question you know why aren't they doing that because that's every time i see him they're like ah so i asked him that the next time i saw him i guess i asked him you know why why don't you come as present yourself as a human and he goes as a human he said oh that's too fragile he said the human body is too fragile he said we we wouldn't be able to do as our work as well and he said this um, what do they call? Not the gray. He called it the. Um, where is it? What else is the word for those? Zeta. Um, yeah, zeta. He called it the. Yeah. Zeta. He said zeta. this zeta container, this zeta suit. He said, modeled after the zeta body. He said is highly functional. He said so we wear this. And and I said well it's just it's just that it scares me. You know. He goes, oh it scares you. And I said yeah it scares me. And he goes, have you ever looked in the mirror? And I said excuse me. And he goes. Well, when you smile, he said, all those teeth, he said, it looks like you're going to eat us up. He just, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I never thought of that. He's like, you know, it goes both ways. He said, it's all what you're used to. So I thought that was hilarious when he, when he told me that. So, exactly. It's, it's all what you're used to. Exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's like Asian people say we look the same, you know, like what? <laughs> we say you all look the same. Terrible. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Oh, look, yeah. The body, the attachment. So, judgment and the attachment to the body, that's where humanity has become lost, I think. We we think that we are our bodies. And I tell you what, you've been sick. You know that when your body's sick, God, it feels bad.
0: It's been really an experience, Karen, really. I never was sick my entire life, or if I was, I was able to self heal. Yeah. And I haven't been able to heal this. I'm working, I'm still working on it. But um, to be sick is a huge distraction. Huge distraction, and there have been many days where I just, I just, I just wanted just to be over, and it just doesn't seem worth it to con- try to even continue. It's a huge struggle. That's why the Course in Miracles says disease is a defense against the truth. It's the ego's. It's the biggest stick that it's got in its tr- in its bag of tricks to pull out to make you forget the truth of who you are. So it's been a you know my biggest challenge. Definitely. That's interesting. Yeah. Disease is the biggest. What did you say? The disease it's a, it's a Disease is a defense against the truth. Defense a, against the truth. Defense against the truth. Because when you're sick, you're so tuned into your body. And you're just, I mean, I'm constantly running to different therapies and doctors and, you know, trying to get myself better and going for healings and different things. And so you're very preoccupied with the body. And you're yeah. always aware because, it's, because it doesn't feel well. But it's so, not a wake-up call to detach yourself from the
1: identity of the form. Like I, I remember One of my favourite teachers, Byron Katie. Do you know Byron Katie? Yes. So when she had her epiphany, her awakening, whatever it was that she had when she woke up, I call it she woke up dead because she woke up in this expanded awareness. Mm-hmm. You know, she said she looked in the mirror and she saw this face looking back at her, this body, this capsule, this container, and she knew categorically that what she was looking at was not her. Right. It was like some woman looking back at her. And, and so she had this expanded awareness and she had that separation from identifying me as this container. And oh, right. I think that's where we get, you know, really lost. And probably illness is there to teach us to separate from the container and look at the body as the body and not me. I'm sick. The body sick. I'm sick. You know, there's two different ideas there.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think since awakening, since going through the awakening period, and and remembering more and more who I was and who I was before I came here, and yeah. all that, I really detached from my body yeah. a fair amount. So when it got sick, I kind of just looked at it and went, "Well, you're sick. You know, I can't stay. You know, I need to leave. I'm, I'm not going to stay here and suffer because." you know, that's not my purpose. That's not what I'm here for. So I really struggled for a long time because um, it's been a couple of years now that I've been really quite ill. And I had to really have a lot of conversations and really do a lot of soul searching to, shall I stay or shall I go? Because I'm not attached to my body. I'm not attached to this physical world. And I know where I would be if I wasn't here. And I have a yearning to go there, but I have a commitment to My mission, and I have a commitment to my children and to the life that I have here, also. So it's been a bit of a dilemma for me, and I go back and forth. And so I just had a talk one day. Basically, I don't know who I even directed it to. Um, I suppose, course of miracles, probably the Holy Spirit, the higher self, whatever you want to call that entity. But I think I just basically said, "Am I meant to leave? Because my body is really sick, and I know I'm not here to suffer. So if I'm meant to leave, then I'm, I'm." then I'm, I'm going to just do that and i talked to my daughter about it and um, i talked to my significant other and started making arrangements in that direction and i said if i'm not meant to go then make it clear to me you know make it so that it, if i can't be healed if I, if that's not meant to happen then at least i need to have a quality of life to where i'm not suffering so badly every day and So I was then, this series of miracles happened just in very quick succession that took me to different modes of therapy, you know, different, it happened very fast, you know, uh, radionics, scalar energy, being treated with that, which was huge to get the poison out of my body because I couldn't um, handle chelation. So I just put it right out there, and it seems that I'm meant to stay because I am getting these people showing up in my life that it was just miracle after miracle. It's just kind of, they just fell together. And so I'm going to see where that takes me, but that's how I feel about being, being sick, you know, in my body is my body and I have a lot of respect and love for it, but I'm not here to suffer.
1: Yeah. 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 Great. Um, Let me ask you, is this your first incarnation in, in human form yes yes i thought i heard you say that you had had a past life regression you had a regression where you saw yourself in another lifetime as a human
0: i had a see it's an interesting thing to talk about this because there is only the now moment and there's and you and you overlay the now moment with oneness and so my body has history my body has had previous lives the planet and I am some of this poisoning poison is a is a theme that runs throughout my my life and I believe that that is the my body's maybe possibly karma or something but I have not been my soul myself my essence has not been in human form on this planet before so I had experience where I got up and I looked in the mirror and I saw myself as this Scottish I think she was Scottish Irish or Scottish young lady she was probably in her right around 30 or in her 20s or so and i knew it was me as i looked into the mirror and it didn't look like i looked in the mirror i had red hair and freckles and a broad face and i looked altogether different but i knew that that was me in, inside of her and i wondered about that and i knew that we were sharing you know maybe that was a soul i don't know if that was a from my soul family or what it was but what i was told when i had that experience was you know you are looking into your own eyes. Every time you meet another person, you are meeting yourself due to the oneness factor. But, yeah, I don't really have any past lives to, to go back on. Um, yeah.
1: Well, what I thought as a soul that's, you know, had the first experience here in physical form, you've done physical life very well. You, you know, you had a very successful business. Yeah, you've done it very well. <laughs>
0: I did, yeah, I did. I had fun. Uh, my, it's funny because my ex-husband, he remembers me saying when we got married, when we first got together, he remembers me telling him that I had a connection to other worlds or something. I don't know, and but for sure, he remembers me saying that I only have this one time here, and I'm going to make the most of it. I want to experience it all. Wow! And I do. I when he told me that, I, something in me clicked, and it's like I, I do remember that. I was like, I want to, I want to experience it all, and I have experienced at all um you know i like to tell people i climbed the mountain and then i got booted off and you know i didn't just slide down the mountain i got kicked off of it because um when i went through my clearing you know as you do sometimes when you awaken i mean i lost everything family friends money wealth business properties i mean every my slate was wiped clean uh, everything and uh so it's um it's been interesting I wouldn't change anything except maybe the poisoning. <laughs> I would change yeah. that. That's all a part of the human experience too. I
1: mean, to gain and nah. then to lose. I think that in nah. other dimensions, we can't we can't have that experience of. Yeah. You know, gaining material stuff and then losing it all, and yeah, I've actually watched rich businessmen. I've I've never really done that because I've never really had anything, so I've had nothing to lose. But uh, I've watched rich businessmen gain like huge amounts of wealth and mansions, and then come crashing down. One who's dead now, one Australian businessman. He even went to jail. He won the america's cup he was on top of the world and the australia and the world loved him and then he was thrown in jail for tax fraud and he lost everything on you know, this roller coaster ride it's yeah. like yeah like an adventurous soul that came into experience like give me the yeah. human experience
0: i want it all the good the bad and the ugly it is i mean i haven't done the go to jail thing i'm you know, the recession hit. And I was doing some really big development, some big projects. And my bank went under, and I lost $4 million in just the blink of an eye. was everything I had managed to earn up to that point left me, you know, pretty much leveled. I I kept my house. I drew the line. When I was going through my losses, I drew the line at losing my house. I said, I just sat one day, again, had that talk with whoever that is that I'm talking to. And I said, you know, I don't think I need to have the experience of losing my house. I've detached from it. I've let it go. If, If I'm meant to, I'm in acceptance of that. And I was I finally got to it because I love my home but I said I'm good with it but I don't think I need to I think I processed it I don't think I need to lose it and you know what I was like within just a smidgen of losing my house but there it just worked out just to where I was cleared enough in the bankruptcy and in all that stuff that you go through that I was able to keep my house which was shocking to everybody because that rarely rarely happens but it just happened the numbers balanced out to where I was able to keep that. And then the other thing was my sister. She was diagnosed because um, I'd lost my family through my birth family and my two daughters, both through estrangement, death. Um, my dad Alzheimer's, so I lost him to that. Um, I lost everybody. And just in a matter of months, you know, they were just all gone. And then my sister was diagnosed with um, fourth stage cancer. And I drew the line at that one, too. And I said, "Nah." I said, you know, I've lost my mom and my dad and my brothers and my daughters and my everybody. And I'm like, not not her, too. She's the last one. And I'm not I said, you know, we got to let's talk about this. (laughs) And she's still she's still with us. So, you know, I was told to um, access a different timeline. And um, so I talked to her about it and we worked it through. And so that's I believe that's what we did. So. Oh,
1: I want to talk about timelines because I find timelines mm-hmm. so confusing and so fantastic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Confusing to the little ego mind. You look on the internet and we're talking about this planet, we're talking about humanity and how we're going here and how we're going there. And and when you look at Bashar, you know, when you listen to Bashar, Daryl who channels Bashar, he talks about, you know, choose a different timeline. Right. And I'm thinking, well, can't humanity do that as well? Like there is a timeline where the planet explodes and humanity gets wiped out there's a timeline where humanity survives there's a timeline where humanity ascends you know there's all these different probable realities out there which one are we choosing and Mm -hmm. I think you illustrated that really well when you were talking about chemtrails I saw you talk about chemtrails and everyone was down on you know the whole we're being poisoned by the powers that be they're poisoning us with chemtrails and you really wanted to look
0: at that in a different perspective. Do you want to tell that story? I do, because I think that that's a huge lesson that I learned. And the day that I filmed that, I I know I was really sick that day, but I just, I insisted on doing it because I just wanted to get it out there because everyone I knew, including myself, we were really falling into that victim mode every time we got sprayed and it was happening every day. and And it was just so disheartening to step out your door and see those chemtrails. So I prayed about it and prayed about it and asked, what is this all about? I even wrote to some of the spiritual teachers and asked them, what what does this mean? So I went for a walk one day, and above the trail, right above the road is where the, if you looked up to the south, the sky was covered in chemtrails, just crisscrossed like crazy, you know, how they do those big X's, yeah, yeah. and to the north where the trail went north, there was not a single chemtrail. It just all ended right there. And I looked up at that. And I remember thinking, okay, I think this is freaky. There's something going on here. But I was like, of course, I'm gonna walk to the north. So I took Pookie, my dog, and no sooner had we stepped onto the trail to head north when along comes this, almost like a cartoon. And I've had this before, cartoon looking things happen. A cartoon type jet flying way too low, Way too slow, way too loud. Everything about it was outrageous. And I stood there and watched it and it turned on the chemtrails, right? As it got overhead over me. And I watched it and I stood there and I I wanted to laugh, but I was too mad. I got I got I was too angry. I got angry. And I was like, okay, what's going on here? I literally said that out loud. And I watched the plane fly low and it followed the trail that I was gonna walk on. And it there's a bend in the trail up up about probably a half mile or a mile up the road, and it or up the trail, and it the plane followed that bend, so it f- sprayed right over my trail, just exactly, just mirrored it, and so there it was in the sky, the trail of the chemtrails mirroring the path I was going to walk on, and I just stopped there, and I told Pookie, I said, this isn't real, I said, this is an illusion, this is the answer to, to my question, what are the chemtrails all about, and as I heard myself talking, I was like, the answer is that they're an illusion they're not real of course they're not real of course the miracles tells us anything that's not love is not real and this is certainly not love so i scooped up pookie and i went back to the car and, and i was thinking about it all the way home and i was like what does this mean and i got you know that we're creating this the collective consciousness is creating this just like it's creating all the evil in our world because it's, it's not real it's our fear that's manifesting and this, that's what the chemtrails are. That's all. And so it came to me. That's all we think of ourselves is that we're nothing better than bugs that when we deserve to be sprayed and, and poisoned. And so I came home and I went into my study for some reason. And I, it's the one and only time I ever read my course, of, did my Course of Miracles in the morning, um, sitting in my library. And after I did my meditation, like I always do, I opened my eyes and there was a plane right out the window heading right for my house. I could see it way off, and it was spraying this big plume of chemtrails. And I just looked at it, and I had no reaction to it whatsoever. I just looked at it, and I thought, you're not real. I just felt all this love. I had this great meditation. I just felt all this love. And so I just stood up, and I looked out the window, and I closed my eyes as the plane got closer, and I pictured the pilot, and I pictured the person who ordered that plane to go up and do this. I just said, you're innocent. You know, you just you're innocent. And if you knew better, you wouldn't be doing this. And so you're innocent. And, and I just send love to you and, and total acceptance and forgiveness, not forgiveness like you did, you're doing something wrong. But forgiveness is not it's all just fine. Mm. And when I opened my eyes, the chemtrail disappeared almost all the way back. But it was still way further away. I could see part of it. But there was a second plane coming on the same trail, but a little bit to the north more. So I went to the other window and I looked at that and I, and I started to cry when that happened. And so I went to this other window, and I looked at this second plane that was coming, and I did the same thing. And again, and this time, the plane just veered off to the north, and the spraying just disappeared, all of it, just gone. And I started to shake, and I just, I was sobbing because it was just so powerful. Then I was like looking out my window, looking for, I wanted another chemtrail. I want another plane to come. I wanted to do it again. It was so cool. <laughs> Well, I was like waiting all the morning and then finally at about eleven or eleven thirty, another plane came flying from the south up over the back hill behind my house. And I was excited and I ran outside. I was like, come on, come on, get closer to where I can see you better. And um, right when he came over the crest of the here where I could see him better coming over my house, I did the same thing, closed my eyes and sent him love and it just very quickly all of a sudden I noticed the sound of the plane was gone. I opened my eyes and I looked where he should have been right straight up almost above me. And he wasn't there, and I was like, "Where did he go?" And I ran around the tree, and then I ran around my house, and then I realized he's gone. The plane was gone. The chemtrail was gone. I ran in my house, and I called my girlfriend, and I said, "They're going to come and kill me. They're going to come and bomb my house because I, you know, I disappeared of chemtrail plane." And they're going, and and then finally, I was like, "Wait a minute!" And Then I realized, no, no, I moved into a different frequency.
1: Yeah, yeah you, you, know? you changed timelines. You switched. Yeah, yeah you yeah, I switched it. Up. You know, when I first started massaging when I was in my 20s or 30s, I can't remember, early 30s, I started seeing people's past lives and, Mm -hmm. you know, reading their thoughts and doing all that sort of stuff. Stuff that we do when we're not in this body, right? Stuff that's normal for us. That's who we are, right? That's how we communicate, telepathically. And I started awakening. And I remember asking my guides, my mob, am I making this up? And they said yes. Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) And I said, no, 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 you don't understand. You know, this sort of, I see people in their past lives and, you know, I've got all this imaging and all this stuff coming to me. Is it just my imagination? Am I making this up? And they said, yes. And I said, no, 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 I need to, you know, like, is it you know, and I was really frustrated with them. And they Mm -hmm. said, Kara, you're making all of it up. You're making up that there's a body on your massage table and that you're massaging them. And they just kept telling me, you're making it up, you're making Mm -hmm. it up. And it was so frustrating because I was thinking this was reality, you know, and that's where we go. We think that this is our reality and yet it is just a vibrational frequency that we can mould and play with by just shifting our frequency. I love that story because that's exactly what you were doing. I I know. And I want to tell you this story too because it might help you with your healing. A friend of mine had cancer and she moved to Byron Bay and she had an awakening experience where, and she did exactly to the cancer what you did to the plane. You're not real. Yeah. You're not real.
0: And yeah. it went away. Really? Yeah. Because I was, one thing I was told was to welcome it, to accept it, and to just let it express itself fully, and then to ask it to leave. And so and I know that that's what my guys taught me as far as, um, is self, they taught me self-healing in a couple different ways to do it. And it's always to, you know, you welcome it, and maybe that's what she was doing, but then, then yeah. you reach a certain point where you're like, okay, now you leave, you know, and you, yeah. you exit your body, you don't belong here, you're not, you don't belong in this dream. So it it is hard to remember in the matrix, when you're in this matrix,
1: that it, we're it, in a matrix.
0: It is very hard, because I tell you, 20 years later,
1: she's now diabetic, and you know, she, she got very, very sick, so she had done it one instant, and then couldn't in another, and that's yeah. That's the game of life. You know, know, we just have to keep remembering the rules, the game of life and how to play it. Florence Chauvel-Shin was the name of that author. I think she died in the 50s. The game of life, and the game of life says that any resistance creates a reality that we don't want and we have to stop pushing against it and love it. Right. Because right. love creates the reality that we do want. So love the pain and love right. the disease and love the chemtrails and
0: love the politicians. <laughs> you know? well, but see it for what it is. You know, love it but not as in embracing it for what it is. Love it because you know that it's not real and yeah. it's just part of your experience. I mean, yeah. I look at my illness as being I invited it. On some level I invited this and I'm, yeah. you know, I know that. So I can uninvite it also. I yes. haven't gotten there yet, but there's something that's going to come from this experience. I'm quite sure because everything in my life has been had huge ahas to it. You know, there's yeah. always a great story when it's, when I get through it. So I'm waiting for that to happen with this. It's interesting. And it's a, it's a challenge for us to remember that we are dreaming this and that we're all just dreaming it. And we're really not even here. We're holographic and we're just, it's energy manifesting as these what we think are solid and real bodies but our whole universe is just nothing but a hologram even our scientists know that now they're talking along those lines so it's exciting times that we're living in but it's very hard in the matrix especially right now here in the united states it's you know chaotic definitely the financial situation you know the presidential races everything that's going on I quit watching news and media and television, you know, years and years and years ago, and I'm so glad I did. But even still, some of it, you know, it seeps through and you see glimpses of what's going on out there, and I just don't want to participate in it. I just don't well, want to.
1: You know, my guys say to me, you don't have to quit watching it, but if you watch it from that, that same viewpoint point that we've been talking about, it's the play of life. It's the leela. It's the play. It's the game. Right. And not get so emotionally like what happens with humanity is they get so attached to the drama and they start shaking their fists at it. And and I see this in the spiritual community a lot too. There are so many beautiful spiritual warriors out there that want to help the planet and help the world, but they're so in their anger and they're so in their resistance. And Mm -hmm. really that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you too because a lot of the people in the sort of alien ET community are still in that fear. You know, they're coming to get us and they're harming us and all that sort of fear. And so the emotion shows you your attachment to the story. But if you can watch the story, drama, the political environment and not be emotionally attached and see it as the Leela and and see it through the eyes of love or see it through the eyes of source or broader perspective, you can watch
0: television and it won't affect you. But if you watch it and get upset, then turn it off. I mean, I I just... Things to do, so I that's why I choose not to participate in it or watch it. Yep. It's dumb. It's just a poor use of time. I'd much rather be watching some some videos online, some spiritual, uplifting, positive things. I just don't want that crap going into my into my mind. And I wanted to comment on what you said too about the, like the light workers right now. Yeah. A lot of the light workers are really discouraged and are are actually they're getting angry too and they're fed up and they're wondering you know when when the event or when whatever it is that they believe is going to happen is going to happen and and there some of them are forgetting you know that this is the matrix and we are creating our reality as we go and there's some of them are falling into the idea that they're victims and that's a huge problem right now and I'm really saddened to see that because I'm I'm reading more and more of that I understand the frustration and being tired. I've been there and I get there. I'm also, but you have to pull yourself back out of it and, and realign yourself with your truth, you know, and, and know that you're here for a purpose and and you, you can't afford to have those negative thoughts. You just can't afford it. It doesn't serve the greater good. So our job as light workers and truth sayers is to be here to hold that candle, you know, keep that light in the dark for those who truly are unawakened
1: absolutely and and also as light workers too you know when you do touch source when you do touch that love and that connection and you mm. find that frequency, and you find that find that vibration. You don't even have to be a light worker. You can you can touch it with your baby, with your dog, with your grandchildren. You know oh, that just that love, that just that mm. connection and love. It's there. It's there. And but when you fall from that vibrational stance, you know the lower frequencies feel so much more devastating.
0: Oh, and, yes. and
1: so a negative thought impacts you so much worse than it did before you awakened or before you touched your soul or your source. And that's the problem with lightworkers, and and they do get sick because they do indulge in third-dimensional thinking. They sort of hang out in the fourth and the fifth dimensions, being psychic and and helping people and connected, Mm -hmm. and then fall to earth by maybe putting on the news or something, getting upset about something. Mm -hmm. And it really is a devastating reaction in the physical form. It does. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I do it all the time, you know, like... I know that when I'm feeling pain in my body, it's because I'm indulging in third dimensional right. thinking. It's just a reminder to wake up again, you know, get back to right. love, get back to love. Yeah. Right.
0: Exactly. Exactly. That's the way I look at it too. I mean, I've gone round and round to myself about the situation that I'm in and I, and I, I try to retrace, you know, where did I misstep, you know, and I keep looking for that. And I'm like, oh, stop, you know, stop it, Sherry, just stop it. Just, it is what it is. It's, I put it on my path purposely put it here to experience, and so just experience it and go with it and stop analyzing it, you know. So it's a challenge. It's definitely a challenge, but, you know, doing interviews like this and and the work that you're doing and others, that's to keep us focused where we we need to stay focused on the love and the forgiveness and the acceptance, yeah. I know that you've been lying low because of your illness, but are you planning to write another book? I have to get myself into a better place before I can do that. I would like to write another book, but I haven't even written on my blog for months because I feel that until I have something really truly positive and uplifting to say, because I, I'm struggling with my own my own negativity and my own darkness at this time, you know. So until I feel positive, I'm not gonna not gonna put anything out there. You know? But you know,
1: we all do. And I think that your journey and your struggle is, it's all our struggles. I think to be a teacher, we don't have to be perfect. You know, I think that our struggles and our overcoming those struggles is what teaches people how to overcome theirs. That's, that's being a teacher. I was playing a, a song this morning on the radio of a beautiful teacher, Ido Khan, who had the gorgeous young wife who died last year at 36. And I was listening to some of his early music talking about only love is real. That's one of his songs. You know, it's not the love of the girlfriend or the lover, it's the love of source. And and I was thinking to myself this morning, boy, when his wife left the planet, did he learn that lesson? And that's what happens as teachers. If you're going to teach something, boy, are you going to experience it? I know. (laughs) know. Oh my God, give me a break.
0: isn't that the truth isn't that the truth truth? yeah we're open we open ourselves up to to everything when and and i mean i still do my prayer of surrender every day and i still say you know your will be done and what you know use me in whatever way you can whatever is the highest and best for all concerned and you know if that meant me experiencing this then so be it you know so yeah i agree that you know the last thing you want to do is think that you're above it all and that, you know, no harm will come to you and that you have all the answers. I don't, I've never said I have all the answers. I don't have all the answers, you know, but I do know that the only thing that's real is love. And these souls on this planet, they're waking up to it, but it's just not fast enough, you know? I wish, I just wish it would have more of a catch fire. Thank you for all the work that you're doing. It's been such a blessing to talk with you today. Ah. Tell people your website. Theforgottenpromise.net. .net. Uh, yes, and the book is available on Kindle and and Barnes and all any bookstores. And I'll put it on my website
1: as well. I'll put a link to the uh, Amazon or Kindle and you can get
0: it there. Thank you yeah. again, Sherry. Appreciate it very much. It was, was a pleasure. It was en- very enjoyable visiting with you. Forgot that I was being filmed. <laughs> <at> my, <laughs> I know, just a, just a conversation. I know. Those are dangerous sometimes, but yes. <laughs>
1: And thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today, be sure to check out some more of our conversations on Accentuate the Positive Radio. You can go to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube. We're also on Stitcher Radio and all sorts of places. You'll find us there. Thanks again. Bye for now. Thanks so much for joining me for another show accentuating the positive here on the Home of Conscious Music, Soul Traveller Radio. Remember to support... Conscious music, consciousness. Go to Soul Traveller Radio on Facebook and Accentuate the Positive Radio with Karen Swain on Facebook. Check out my website, KarenSwain.com, for any readings and teachings available about spiritual, deliberate creation for the change makers, difference makers, and disruptors. Catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.